0: New York City headquarters. I'm Adam Teeter, and in Seattle, Washington, I'm Zach Trebal and this is the Vine Pair podcast. And Zach, it's really funny. Before we before we sat down to record today, you said uh, you you had like oh well, that's a dog. Said you had like witty <laughs> banter uh, planned. We have an office dog. I don't know if you guys knew that, but uh Josh got a dog. Its name is Lulu. It's very cute. But it also has a barking problem. We um, didn't think that she would bark during the show. But, uh, you know, if you guys hear her, there you go. Uh, but anyways, so sorry, you can you said, play
1: the podcast <laughs> drinking game just every time you hear Lulu drink.
0: You said you had some really good. Yes. Every time you hear Lulu bark, drink. It'll be a lot. So you could probably be really drunk at the end of this podcast. <laughs> um, so you said you had some really good witty banter. And I'm curious what that witty banter is that you think is so good.
1: Oh, well, I don't know that I'm going to call it witty. I thought it was actually kind of more significant or a little more meaningful. I'm curious to get your perspective on it. So, right before uh, recording this, I was uh, actually at the dentist for a sort of emergency uh, dental appointment. Fortunately, nothing serious going on. Um, thankfully, but um, I was I was it made me think as I was having these sort of this sort of pain that a thing I hadn't thought about until sort of having some some issues was. You know, I, I don't know what it what I would do if like – because part of what I was concerned about is like drinking wine and other high acid beverages was causing me some pain. And I was like, what the fuck would I do if I like – if my dentist was like, yeah, you really can't drink wine anymore. And and have you – Adam, have you thought at all about like protecting your like – I guess protecting your mouth as a like professional obligation?
0: Uh, I mean – I don't have an enamel problem. I have really good teeth. Um, so I have not – although I do know people who like will wear mouth guards and stuff when they drink wine, which mm-hmm. is a little weird. I think if you're having to wear a mouth guard to drink wine, you're probably drinking too much wine. Um, yeah. I mean I, – so I, I don't – I haven't had that issue. I mean but I also like – are a lot of days of the week, I do not drink wine or anything mm-hmm. for that matter. Um so I think I, I haven't reached that issue yet. I mean, I don't know, that'd be a good question for Keith. Like is he, you know, as you know, running the tastings department and having, you know, first of all, he, you know, ran a restaurant and a wine shop for ten years prior to this. So I'm sure he was tasting just like you, tons of wine from all the buyers that were coming in. And then he, you know, now doing reviews, tastes a ton of wine every day, lots of it being read. I don't know. I should ask him if he's talked to his dentist. The bigger thing for me that I've noticed is like there are definitely certain kind of wines that just don't make me feel great anymore, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, like especially some of the stuff with volatile acidity. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll like wind up actually like getting a really bad chest pains, like almost oh. like, like heart, like really bad heartburn. I've never gotten that before in my life. and like, I'm still pretty young. And I went to the doctor and he was like, yeah, you shouldn't be getting heartburn. Like you're, you're still quite young. He's like, it's probably something you're consuming. And I'm like, yeah, it's every time I drink like super high acid wine. Um, yeah. and that's a bummer, man. Cause like, you know, I kind of like some of that, but then some of it I don't. So just a good, a good excuse to not drink it.
1: Yeah, welcome to the getting older podcast with Adam and Zach no it's seriously true it's it's funny I I've been I, I have also had some issues with I don't know have a heartburn more indigestion than anything else but it but definitely affects me a little more uh than it used to and you know I fortunately also I guess have um you know reasonably good teeth and this actually the funny detail of this whole story is my dentist was like yeah the issue is you're brushing your teeth too hard um and it was like irritating my gums by being too vigorous a toothbrusher so you know that's always fun, I guess. Um, but but yeah, it's it's crazy. Like it is funny how these things that you know, if I was not tasting wine most days of the week professionally, it would probably never be an issue. But but it is now, and I guess, you know, the answer is to yeah, be careful. And and it does mean that I probably in some ways drink what less wine, you know, in my leisure time um, because sometimes I'm just like I don't want to deal with that potential discomfort. Agreed. So we have one other cool bit of, uh, I guess not even banter, it's just uh, news, I suppose. You and I are going to be recording the podcast together next week in person. Actually, this week when all of you hear this. We
0: are we are going we are doing our second live podcast. Uh we're going to be coming live from Charleston. So uh Charleston, South Carolina at the uh the headquarters of the Wine and Food Festival down there. Um Fine Pair is one of the media sponsors of the Wine and Food Festival in March and we're going to come live from their offices to sort of tease our involvement um next week. Um but you know again like that's that's kind of a, a a proposition for anyone else who listens to podcasts like we're 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 ready to take the show on the road so um you know if if you want to bring us to your town you want to you know host zach and i uh you want us to come live from a venue for you and 50 to 100 plus of your friends we're more than willing to do it so just like drop us a line at podcast at vinepair.com and you know we would love to figure out you know ways to do the show live more often this one's gonna be pretty fun we're um welcoming guest kelly holmes who's a beverage professional from carlson to the show and we talk a lot about uh the the culture of southern drinks which should be really really cool um i'm super excited about it what about you zach
1: well i'm really looking forward to it because unlike you i have actually very little experience with said culture like i i was talking to a friend the other day about this and i have spent you know essentially no time in much of the south other than north carolina and north carolina has its own sort of set of drinking culture but unfortunately most of my time in north carolina has been spent in charlotte which well, a nice town doesn't necessarily have a whole lot of culture to call its own, frankly. Um, it's a city of a lot of transplants. And so um, I'm really looking forward to getting a sense for for what that all means. And and uh, and so I look forward to our conversation and, uh, you know, quite honestly, probably our couple of evenings out uh, experiencing said drinking culture.
0: 100 percent. I'm super pumped. Um, very, very, very excited. Like, it's going to be the best. But, uh, you know means we're going to have to get on an airplane and i think that brings us to uh today's topic right nick
1: yeah nick nick you've got the you've got the, the he's like the listener question but he's paid to listen to this podcast which yes. is
2: engineer question for today um so i'm going on a big trip at the end of this month i'll be going to southeast asia for a few weeks and it gets me thinking about um both drinking in a new culture and drinking while you're traveling whether that's like at the airport on the airplane uh, maybe in the Uber to pregame your <laughs> airplane ride. I don't know. I don't know what people are doing. Uh, but I was curious what you guys, as the esteemed Vine podcast hosts, um, besides proper dental care, what do you do on an airplane? Like, what do you drink? Do you order wine? Do you order beer, cocktails?
0: Uh, I mean, I drink. I So here's the deal. I, if I, if I do, if I am lucky enough to drink, like to sit in first class, I do uh, every once in a while, you know, except the bubbly, because of course it's a nice way to start the flight. Uh, I do also always drink often before I get on the plane. Um, and then when I am on the plane, I usually stick to spirits, but I will say, which I think is interesting, like I've always been told you're not supposed to drink at all. Um, I've actually been told that drinking makes your jet lag worse the next day, um, especially if it's an international flight. Um, but I still drink anyways. Um and I really, I really do enjoy like messing around. I-, I basically I take myself through the gamut of the meal, right? So I start with a glass of bubbles, then maybe I'll have a some a spirit when they come around, and then maybe when the meal comes, I'll have a glass of wine, and then maybe something else, and try to go to bed. My, my my like entire process is like, oh, maybe I just need to get tired because usually these international flights, especially, are leaving at like five or six in the afternoon or early evening, and it's like really hard to you know sh- to feel sleepy. But um, again, like I've I have been talking this idea of not drinking just because people have told me that it's actually why you feel jet lagged the next day. But but what about you, Zach?
1: You know, it's a good question. I think that for me, the answer is this is really dependent on what kind of flight I'm getting on. So I think if I was mm-hmm. getting on a flight like you are, Nick, where you're where you're flying to Southeast Asia and you got a long flight ahead of you, then to me the the key is you sort of I think it's definitely important to have like I like to have a drink in me when I get on the plane. I'm not like a super nervous flyer, but it's not my favorite thing in the world. And having that first drink like at the airport if at all possible, assuming I'm not flying super early, helps kind of like just calm me in that in that way. And then if I'm flying internationally, you know, usually, I mean, hopefully, if you're flying internationally, you're getting free drinks. And I tend to stick, actually, unlike, unlike Adam, I tend to stick to wine. I, I feel like maybe it's because of sort of a little bit of what he's saying, the concern about being, like, you know, the, getting a hangover, like, I mean, you know, on arrival plus jet lag does not sound appealing to me. So so I feel like, you know, if I'm drinking a couple glasses of wine over the course of a flight, um, I can better manage that. I am, like, utterly incapable of sleeping on airplanes. And, I mean, I've never flown in the Same. sort of, like— world you know the the international first class where you have a bed i'm sure i would fall asleep in that case but other than that i just you know it's it's really hard for me to sleep on a plane and so i i see sort of having a drink as one of the like things i can do that is actually enjoyable in that situation and that and you know watch like as many movies as possible uh so so i think you know yeah. you, you pace yourself you don't want to get out of you know you don't want to get Generally, I want to get drunk for a variety of reasons. I mean, for one, you know, I, I th- that does not go over well with your uh, seatmates. And also, uh, you know, it's just it's there's you're not an air marshal good. on board. You'll exactly. Get t- you'll get arrested upon arrival. Yeah, that's never good. I, I do think, though, that like, you know, I think we've discussed this on the podcast before. But but I will say this. There is if you are able to get a quality drink at the airport before you get on a plane. There are a few, like, things that I enjoy more that are sort of very small, simple pleasures in life than that. And it's just, like, there's something about that feeling of, like I said, like that just little bit of relaxation that comes with that first drink before I get on a plane that is critical to me. Now, when I fly to Charleston next uh, – I guess tomorrow for most of you listening to this, uh, it will be sadly very early in the morning. So I will be doing it with a cup of coffee and not a drink. But uh, but most times it's, it, it's, a, it's a drink if at all possible.
0: So the interesting thing I think is that there's also, like, there's this – Proclivity of people to drink things when they fly that they would not normally drink, right? So I think one of the things that I'm, I'm definitely guilty of drinking when I fly and pretty much only when I fly is Bloody Marys. Because, I mean, you know, Zach, I don't really love Bloody Marys. But when I fly, I drink them a lot more often. Is there something that you drink when you fly? Oh, like, or like Liz, for example, in our office, uh, she drinks always a vodka fresco when she flies. Huh. And she would never drink vodka or fresca that often. Otherwise, like what about you?
1: I would say the two things that I tend to drink if I'm if it's a, if it's mixed, you know if I'm getting a, a a spirit of some sort, I do get a lot of I do a lot of like uh, whiskey ginger, which is not a drink that I would normally drink in you know in my day to day life. I think the reason for it is like. There's something about ginger ale that, like, I think it takes me back to, like, my childhood. That was where I would get on planes. And so I kind of, like, it has this weird sort of nostalgia to me in the sense, obviously not with the whiskey, but with the ginger ale. Um, And, you know, like, sometimes, like I said, I'm a little bit of, like, a you know, a flying can be an uncomfortable experience. And I feel like sometimes, you know, ginger ale has at least the sort of uh, placebo effect of, like, making me feel a little better. Uh, I think the other thing that I drink on planes that I um, would not drink otherwise is I will sometimes do, like, coffee and Bailey's or something like that which I mean I will drink on very rare occasions on on firm ground but if I want to have like a drink but also some caffeine and it's frankly the only way to make airplane coffee even remotely palatable in my experience mm-hmm. is basically Bailey's and a shit ton of cream and sugar because that stuff is I don't even know what they make it from but it does not appear to be coffee beans in most cases
2: yeah I think the good move is to get a coffee in the airport bring it on the uh, plane and then no. get the
1: Bailey's in there I've done that before yeah see I mean more evidence that maybe Nick should be hosting this podcast in the first place <laughs> But I mean, yeah no, totally. I, I think you made a good point though about uh like
2: this will be my first flight over like seven hours basically and so really yeah, this will be the first time I've been uh, longest before this is Hawaii I think um so where, where where are you going I'm going to Vietnam oh amazing yeah yeah I'm looking forward to it it's for a, a like a bachelor party actually so there's gonna be a okay, big. that's group of insane us there. yeah well, who's this bachelor
1: Adam, don't you remember being in your twenties? Didn't you? No, i are of super
0: shit? lucky to have you as a friend. <laughs> if you were taking a bachelor party to Vietnam,
2: yeah, it's great. Well, the the bride is was born there, um, so it's uh, kind of like a we're going to see some of her family and her relatives while we're there as well. So that'll be fun. That is an unconventional thing to do at a bachelor party. I'll be honest. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's like <laughs> you know, ten days, so we'll have plenty of time for the, all that other stuff too. Yeah. Uh, but I like on, on flights drinking, I think makes the time go faster to me. Like along with watching movies and stuff, uh, I think it makes the, the trip seem much shorter, makes your seat mates much more bearable, like to be next to. So that's what I think I might run into the trouble of on my like 16 hour flight is if I try to get too comfortable (laughs) in the, uh, (laughs) passing the time. So that'll be what you said about pacing myself. I think that will be important here.
1: Yeah. It's like one drink per movie max. Okay. Okay, that's my that's my really rough rule of thumb. Uh, but also like I think you know you want to kind of uh you want to take it easy. I would also say the other thing you know, Adam, I don't know if you've had any experience with this. Have you ever had like any experience on a like a long flight? Because I know you fly internationally a lot, lots of trips to Europe and stuff. And I've I've been on a few myself where you've had like uh an actual like meal on a plane and a wine that actually like wasn't a terrible pairing. Because I I haven't, but I I haven't tried very hard.
0: I mean. I do have some, I mean, I've had some decent pairings. Like, it's actually funny. I I know people like don't like them as an airline, but I actually've had really good, uh, in-flight experiences on Alitalia. Huh. Especially like economy comfort on Alitalia. Plugs Alitalia. Um, they actually is like the pasta that they've served me has been really good and like the red wine pretty decent. It's usually like Chianti or like Montepulciano del Bruzzo. and like mm-hmm. it's pretty good and like usually it's like a, the pasta is usually like a, you know, ZD and a tomato sauce or something. And it's been a pretty, pretty good pairing. I mean, like I'd say like on the, on the, your standard American carriers, you know, when I've sat steerage, I've never had like the the most amazing, mind blowing pairing. But again, I said I usually I'm usually sticking to spirits, or I'm doing the other thing which I've always heard you're supposed to do and not eating. So like, mm. so basically, like there's there's all this you know research that goes into um to flying to like try to make it so that you aren't jet lagged, right? And I think for for the the jobs we're in, we're probably flying internationally at, at least a few times a year. I'm, I'm flying quite a bit actually, um, and. It's, it's really hard to like when you're only going for a few days to to get acclimated if you if you don't try to do some things like this. So like one of the things that, you know, a lot of doctors say and, and they've done research about this is that also like when you eat on the plane, you're actually eating at weird hours for your body. So you're actually like screwing yourself over. So yeah. like if, you know, if the flight's at five or six, like – Maybe then you take the dinner, but if it's at like ten or eleven, you should eat before you get on the plane. And then almost always, you should never take the breakfast because that breakfast is coming like four or five hours later. So that's actually more quickly than you would normally eat in your everyday life, right? So you're like you're kind of you're so you're not just messing with your metabolism, but you know like I mean sorry your your sleep patterns by having the the weird layover flight, etc. But you're also messing with your metabolism. So with both, that's why you land, you kind of have like the messed up stomach and like you just feel kind of out of it. And then your body's like, okay, so like I don't know if I got enough. And I'm also trying to digest all this food that I ate at a really weird time. And so that then combined with drinking can really make you feel weird. So like, I kind of try to pick, right? I'm like, okay, well, I mean, I'm sitting back here in coach anyways, you know, I've got a kind of cramped seat. Like I, I tried to eat at, you know, some random place, maybe with Shake Shack or something in the terminal. I'll have a drink or two. I'll take an Ambien and I'll fall asleep.
1: Yeah, those are good ideas. I, I would say I've never done it, but I have heard from lots of people that uh, medicating yourself in a, in whatever fashion might actually be the real best answer to this. It doesn't really uh, doesn't align with the, with the theme of the podcast, but I, I have heard from people, especially traveling internationally, that that may be the best bet. But I, Nick, I actually want to get to the other part of what you you asked about, and I think this is a, a good sort of uh, place to move on this conversation, which is sort of this idea of like. You know, how do you um, how do you, I guess, drink respectfully and in another culture? And, And I can't speak specifically to Vietnam or even Southeast Asia, having never been there. But I would say that, you know, a lot of it. The answer to that is, I mean, I think two things, in my opinion, and we'll see what Adam thinks. One is, you know, as is always the case, you know, especially early on in a trip, start conservative, you know try not to be the drunk american um i think that's you know a, a bad look for everyone uh, and i think the other thing is like you know try stuff right like you know you're probably gonna get you know whether it's food drink whatever some some offered something you've never had before and, and i think it's a cool experience to to at least give it a shot and you know if you don't like it you don't have to you don't think you have to feel obligated in most cases but you know i think that's one of the really cool things about traveling is you know that ability to um experience new things like for me i went to uh columbia uh for a friend's wedding and uh probably drank too much aguardiente at their wedding, but it was it was really the first time I'd, I think I'd had it once before, but, but it was my first time having, you know, sort of several different uh, producers and several different styles. And, you know, I'm not going to come back. I'm not going to claim that coming back, it was like suddenly my new favorite spirit, but it was, I, I, I said yes, because I wanted to. And if I hadn't tried, st- if I hadn't been so kind of willing to try new things, you know, I wouldn't have had the same experience that I had. So I, I don't know, Adam, what do you, what do you think about that sort of dealing with drinking in another culture?
0: So, I mean, I think, you know, yeah, you, you just, you want to try to be respectful. I also think, you know, you want to try as many of the, you know, drinks that are from that culture as you can, right? So you know, see what the locals are drinking. Ask them what they're into. Don't be a snob about it, right? So, like, I think it's really. I think the biggest thing is like, you know, when you go to Paris or whatever, people are if everyone's drinking the, you know, the house wine at the at the cafe on the street, you should drink it too, right? There's, they like they like it for a reason, right? Don't be like, oh, I'm sorry, like I only I only drink Grand Cru Burgundy and Champagne, and like, can I see that list? Like, if it's if it's if that's not the place for that, that's not the place for that, right? And I shouldn't if ask
2: a, for White Claw in Vietnam. No, You should not.
0: <laughs> but also, like, if that's if that's the place where like. Everyone's drinking beer, then you know you should you should have a beer at that place. Like, don't ask them to make a crazy cocktail. Um, and, you know, don't walk in and expect everyone knows how to make a Negroni or everyone knows how to make an Old Fashioned, right? Or that everyone has White Claw Nick. Um, I think you know that's actually yeah, important. Pack that in <laughs> your
1: carry on, or in your uh, checked luggage, man.
0: <laughs> yeah, and then, but you know, besides that, I think it'll be a ton of fun. I mean, I can't believe again you're going to a bachelor party in Vietnam. That's just insane.
1: Yeah,
2: it's going to be great. And from there, I'm going to take kind of a solo trip um into Thailand for another week in the make the most out of the trip over there so
1: i'll uh, i'll have some reports from the road when i come back yeah we'll have to hear all about it on uh on the podcast when you're back in town and uh somehow we'll make do without without uh nick pushing the dials or you know sliding i'm on things. the ones I'm, and threes ones yeah. and threes that's good better than the ones and twos uh i don't know adam do you have any other thoughts on on drinking on planes I, do you have any advice for me for uh because my flight from seattle to charleston's a, a hell
0: of a lot longer than the flight from new york there I mean, from Charleston to Seattle, I think you're landing in the evening. So, I would say, like, you know, make sure you have a grandma shot. We're going to talk about those a lot in Charleston. Okay. um, Which is just, you know, Grandma Nye, obviously. Yeah. You know, uh, don't drink too much on the plane. Just – come hydrated and ready to hang out and to make a great show
1: because we are gonna we're gonna it's gonna we're gonna jump right into it i that was my experience when we did our last
0: live show in italy so there was no rest no rest for the for the wicked or the weary no rest for the weary um but yeah with that i mean i think you know just if you choose to drink when you travel drink in moderation um you know try to do your best obviously limit the amount of jet lag you have because the more jet lagged you are the the you know the less amount of time you'll enjoy your vacation for, um, and you know, have a good time, you know, don't be the jerk that gets yourself thrown off the plane. That's, that's basically, you know, a good, or, or is not allowed to board. Right. I think that's also like a very good, uh, you know, rule. Like you don't want to be the person that gets towards the gate and they're like, uh, how many beers did you have at the bar before you are boarding of uh, seventy. Like you don't want to be that person. Yeah.
2: Nick um, we're talking besides about. That, that. I'll talk. never make that mistake again. Nick <laughs> yeah. do not have like a thousand white <laughs> claws.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Um, and yeah, if you've got any other questions about travel or any other things you want to hear us discuss on the podcast, shoot us a um, you know an email to podcast at vinepair.com And you know, again, please rate review the show and we'll talk to you right here again next week. Sounds great. Thanks so much for listening to the VinePair Podcast. If you like what you've heard, please rate us or review us wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps people discover the show. Now for the credits. The VinePair Podcast is produced by myself and Zach Jabal and is engineered by Nick Patrie. we recorded out of Cloud Studios in Seattle, Washington, and also in our New York City headquarters. I'd also like to give a special shout out to my co-founder, Josh Mallon, and the rest of the VinePair staff who help us conceive of the show every single week. Thanks again for listening.